Bienvenidos a la Chicana Mother Work Podcast. This is Cecilia, Christine, Judy, Yvette, Michelle from the Chicana Mother Work Collective. We are a collective of Chicana, PhD, mother scholars, artists, and activists. The Chicana Mother Work Podcast aims to create a communal space for dialogue that sheds light on how the labor of mothering can be a transformative act within academia and beyond. Porque sin madres no hay revolución. Chicana Mother Work is intergenerational. Chicana Mother Work means carving space. Chicana Mother Work means healing ourselves. Chicana Mother Work is an imaginary. Chicana Mother Work makes our labor visible. Our labor is our prayer. Our mothering is our offering. Hello, hello everyone. This is Yvette from Chicana Mother Work. It's been a while. Happy summer solstice, everyone. I'm here with my comadres from Chicana Mother Work, and we are doing another podcast episode. I know it's been a while, so today we wanted to do a check-in between all of us because we have been meeting and planning and realizing that a lot of us are going through some rather major life transitions, and we wanted to share some of that information with you all. You know, hopefully some of you will be able to um, to relate or um, some of you might be going through similar transitions and we're, we're happy to kind of share our experiences with you. So I think what we're going to do is each of us is going to take some time to share about what that transition is in our life and then we're going to respond to one another and, um, and see what happens. So if anybody would like to get started, I don't want to be the first one to start. So, <laughs> and if nobody wants to sign up, I'm going to popcorn it. Um, I think I will popcorn it. I think I would like to hear actually from Michelle first, <laughs> if you don't mind sharing. Mala son, siempre me ponen así. Since you didn't start this, since you didn't do the intro, I'm like, I knew it. You go after me. <laughs> this is how it is. Because I'm the seasoned one, and oh I ate like a, the the elder of the crew. Um, <laughs> hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, we've been coming out of so many transitions this, uh, you know, this past year, especially. And I guess for me, the biggest news is that I finally got tenure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's 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 been interesting honestly um I, I guess I felt confident that it was gonna happen because I uh you know all along the I guess all the levels people were were generally positive however when I got to nine ten year at ASU that it was similar you know and I re it really wasn't until we I got to the presidential level that um you know, that, that the decision came down to deny me tenure. So nonetheless, I, while I was feeling okay about it, I just wanted to just, I wanted to wait until I finally got the news, but it was, it was interesting because the moment that I got the news, I felt a little numb. It was just sort of like, you know, okay, I got tenure now what, you know, it doesn't mean like my work is going to stop. My commitments are going to change. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, so that day I, I got the news, I called my sister, I called my partner. One of my friends texted me and you know, I responded that, yeah, I had gotten tenure. I think I texted you all. And then um, 
And then it wasn't until like in that moment, like the doorbell rang at my house and there was somebody delivering flowers. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, and I thought it was maybe my partner had sent them, which was very sweet, you know, and but then when my daughter Milagro uh, opened the cart, because I wasn't paying attention because like my friend was FaceTiming me. Oh my God, congratulations. I'm like, yeah, you know? And then I, she opens a card and she like kind of like puts it in my face and was like, and the card said, congratulations, mommy, I'm very proud of you. And then that was the moment that I just burst into tears, you know? And because this journey that I've been on, she's been with me since day one, you know, and, uh, and I, and I think about all the moments where I was, you know, she always says the thing that I'll remember the most about my childhood is you sweeping at night or typing, you know? And so it was, um, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but that moment was just like, you know, she's been there and I, and I, and I hope that it's all been worth it, you know, and, and to be on the other side of this, you know, I, I do feel relief, you know, as a working class, you know, uh, uh, Chicana, uh, without a lot of financial stability and still to this day, you know, uh, this idea of having a job for life is a little bit mind bending, like, despite we know they, the, the institution can do anything they want, but nonetheless, the system theoretically is here because now we're going to be supported. So that's kind of a trip, you know, this idea that like, I don't have to worry about this anymore. I'm going to have at least at the very basic level, this income and this position. Um, so that is, you know, super, there is a relief in that. Um, and it was interesting because right around the time that I got tenure, then all these things happened, like in my house, you know, um, <laughs> the mesquite trees, the roots went into my main water pipe. I had to do major plumbing work and my washing machine went out, like all these things happened. And I'm like, what are the lessons here? You know? And, and I think my back went out and I think it's sort of like this reminder of, you know, in this last year, what I've learned a lot is to, is to really relish my time in my home and my space and I think I just need to keep tending to it and caring for it and caring for myself, you know? So I'm trying to get into this practice this summer and I've been doing, I went to this amazing retreat with a Dr. Fatima Williams and she calls it the genius retreat and how to get more play and joy into your life and into your routine. And I learned a lot. So my, my goal for this summer, although I had to take on, you know, this gig, in order to pay off, you know, these expenses, um, which I'm lucky that I have an extra gig to do that, but still it's not, wasn't this, it's not the summer I had imagined, you know? Um, but I still am trying to then create this routine for myself so that I remember to bring that joy, to have that pause and not to go straight to the computer the moment you wake up. So anyway, that's, that's my new, uh, announcement. And I'm really, I'm really thankful to, to the Chicana Motherwork Collective for supporting me and making sure that I thrive despite all of the institutional barriers. I will now popcorn to Ceci. Felicidades again, Michelle. We're so proud of you. And, you know, I know we've mentioned this so many, we've talked about this so many times in our different talks, but we came together as a collective right around the time that you were denied tenure the first time around. So um, it has a lot of, um, 
meaning to see you um, go through this process again and to receive tenure and um, uh, have your uh, accomplishments and you know what you deserve and what you have deserved for so long. Um, so you keep inspiring us. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, um, so I think for my transition, um, just changes in my life, um, mostly it's had to do with my creative writing. So I've been um, focusing a lot of time on that. Um, uh, my time and energy um, resources, I think I just... I think a lot of it had to do with COVID where um, it almost seemed like I kind of just woke up one day and I just didn't want to keep um, putting off this dream or this career. Um, I And so I gave myself permission to, um, you know, start writing my first full-length manuscript of creative nonfiction things that I've always wanted to do um, because I had always had that previous mindset of, oh, well, I need to prioritize uh, academia or something more sensible to uh, earn money, especially as a single mom and first-gen student. And I also come from generational poverty, so it's I don't even have financial support from my family. Um, but... I think it just got to the point where I really just didn't have a choice but to try to do this and to have that confidence and belief in myself that even if it doesn't work out, then I will find something that will. Um, and in that way, there's no way that I could fail. And to have um, that better sense of myself to not base my own uh, how I define my own values or how I define even success based on external factors, which um, academia, you know, we're given, we're imposed, you know, all of these expectations for our, you know, behavior and our productivity and you know, our teaching. And um, so it's really been a process for me to uh, define those, th define my own values and define my own version of success um, outside of that. And I feel really good. I, I don't think I would trade this kind of new sense of um, um, accomplishment or confidence um, for anything. So I do feel like I'm more authentic to myself. Um, and even in this process of I've been trying to get um, adjunct jobs and, you know, for income for the fall. And there was one position um, where originally it was supposed to be virtual, then they changed their mind and said, oh, it's going to be face to face. And I just said, well, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I think I'm just, I'm done just kind of um, feeling forced to that feeling that, you know, I have to do certain things that I don't really want to do. Um, and uh, similar to that, there was another position um, for a different institution where I was told um, I wasn't qualified to teach, you know, undergrad composition, which, you know, like English is my whole thing. <laughs> so I'm just like, uh, okay, you know, that's not the place for me then. And I can just move on and find the places that do value me and, um, 
and want to work with me. So what that has meant for me is, and this is also related to my creative writing, is I've done, um, I kind of discovered my love for facilitating creative writing and poetry workshops this past year uh, since COVID. And I love doing it. It doesn't feel like work. I love doing it. I love talking with people and making connections and presenting um, uh, women of color poetry and literature and connecting to social justice and um, having people uh, respond, you know, from their heart and not their mind. <laughs> and that's what I really feel constricted with um, a syllabus um, or teaching to a syllabus. Um, but in my, in my workshops, I can um, prioritize what I want to prioritize, right? I don't have to, um, you know, it's not about how to write an essay, an analytical paper. Um, it's not about, uh, you know, proving proficiency in, for a grade. It's my writing workshops are just, it's a different kind of space. So I feel really lucky and grateful. Um, so I'm still figuring out my plan, um, still looking for positions. I'm still finishing my book of creative writing. Um, I have a vision and a goal of where I want to be. Uh, and I think my transition right now is just trusting myself and trusting that um, I'll end up um, where I'm supposed to be. And there was a meme that I saw, and this is going to be my first blog entry on my website. Um, where it said, um, everywhere I go, I prosper. So I really think that, I really do believe that, um, even when things feel uncertain, but um, I have that belief in myself and I'm just not gonna let anything stop me anymore. So um, that is my update for transitions. Um, let's see, how about Yvette? Oh my goodness. <laughs> How do I follow up to that? <laughs> oh, Sophie, I'm so proud of you. Michelle, I'm so proud of you. Like we've all come such a long way. It's it's and if you think about when we met and when we came together, um, yeah, these are these are some kind of major major changes. Um, uh, so what's going on with me? Um, yeah, ooh, I don't even know how to say it. Um, well, I guess to just go straight to the point, I have made the decision to leave my job at UCSB McNair and leave the States and completely kind of move myself and my family to Portugal. Uh, we were, are going to be doing that this fall. Um, it's huge. It's probably the riskiest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, how do how did I get there? Because a lot has happened since the pandemic. Um, during the pandemic, I, um, I, I did all the things that you know are on people's kind of like nuclear family checklist. It's like get the job, check, buy a home, check, have another baby, check, and um, I think externally on the surface level, it seemed like things were going well. Um, like, okay, I, I reached this point that a lot of people kind of like, I remember being young and, and wanting to meet all these goals and thinking these are the things that you do, which is ridiculous now when I think about it and I reflect. Uh, it's like, you get to decide what you do and what your checklist and what you know you wanna do with your life. But um, I think I can echo some of the feelings that both um, Michelle mentioned and Ceci mentioned of like what Michelle saying that she reached, 
she gained she gained tenure, she earned tenure and, and felt this feeling of numbness. And Ceci's saying that, you know, she felt kind of constricted in some ways. And I can kind of echo that with feeling, I think I reached a point where I found myself working 24 seven, feeling sick all the time. I still feel sick all the time. That's the norm, which is, um, it's a, that's a separate conversation. But realizing one day that like, this is not it. Like, I thought that this is what I wanted. I thought that I wanted to be the director of a program. I thought that I wanted to have a home and live in a nice area and be relatively close to family. And, and then I realized actually I want more than that. I actually want to prioritize myself. I want to prioritize my health. I want to have more independence or freedom or whatever you want to call it to to do things that nourish me and uh, not be necessarily reliant on the university uh, for that and um, it's tough there's been a lot of mixed feelings I, I'm sharing with the students about it this week and it's really bittersweet I've shared with the staff I've started sharing with some colleagues and it it is really bittersweet because on the one hand there's a part of me that does feel angry at the university. There's a part of me that's like, the university is white supremacist, the university is sexist, the university is classist, the university is exploitative, but then that's the university. But then there's the other side of me that's like, actually I've had, I've developed really wonderful relationships. I have really amazing, awesome colleagues who I hope I can still stay in touch with. I have really awesome, amazing students who motivate and inspire me and it's, there's a grieving process um, with that, with leaving this program that has has shaped me. And I, I'm grateful to it in the sense where I've learned just so much out of it. And because of everything that I learned in serving this program, I have all the skills and tools that empower me, that help me to feel confident enough to let go and to move on to something different. Um, so yeah, I guess what you can say is I'm I'm taking kind of a bit of a career break, um, not really a sabbatical because I was like, oh, is this a sabbatical? I'm like, actually, no, because I don't plan on coming back. I don't plan on coming back to the university. I don't plan on coming back to the US. If I go abroad and I realize I it's not a good fit, I don't like it, I'm no longer interested, I can always come back um, to a university job or to the US or whatever the next thing is. But for now, I'm going to be taking a break and focusing on doing the things that that nourishes me, which whether it's, you know, continuing with my grad school mentoring podcast, coaching, whatever it is that I do, um, I'm going to be more intentional with my time and make sure that everything that I do it, it kind of reflects back on my values, my ethics, and try to be as authentic as possible, which is something that I strive to be and to do at all times. So that's my big life update transition. <laughs> And now I'm gonna popcorn it to Christine. Hey y'all, I'm timekeeping us. So I'm like multitasking here and harassing everybody. But something that I um, I put on the chat is like, if it was Pong, she's done riskier shit before. <laughs> like people don't even know. <laughs> you know what I know about my middle school days? <laughs> they don't even know, folks don't even know, right? My happy care days. <laughs> Like we're here laughing, like because we're like, oh, she's done some crazy stuff. So, <laughs> uh, but I'm really proud of all of you as well. Um, Michelle getting tenure, Ceci, you know, 
just burning up the world with her amazing like stories poems like if y'all have not checked out Ceci's um, publications on her creative writing, like look her up. It's really beautiful and powerful. I, I always mention to Ceci when she shares her poetry or her short stories with me that I, there's very few authors where I, I have, I visualize images in my mind while they're speaking their, their, their work. And that's something that Ceci does for me. So I can see and visualize, taste it, smell it, feel it in her work. So it's really dope and powerful. And Yvette, like, we're going to miss you, but um, I mean, we support you, right? Like, that's amazing. So I just want to say that. And, you know, I want to shout out Judy because Judy is not here with us today and, and all the amazing work that Judy does um, and managing like her own personal and, you know, private life and academic life as well. Like she's in the hustle. But something I heard, I was taking notes as y'all were speaking as well is I heard the word numb um Michelle mentioned being numb you know and I heard Ceci say defining our values and then the risk the risks that we take right and I think um I've really like doubled down on my Buddhist practice like I'm really deep into it and it's been really helpful during COVID times um but um I'm thinking about risks and how I felt numb and I took a risk also um thinking about um the new position I'm going to be taking up as a tenure track faculty at um, San Jose State University in Chicano Chicano Studies, and you know, <laughs> and it really did feel like I felt so numb. I felt I I called Ceci literally like as soon as I was done. I don't know why I I ran to Ceci. I'm like Ceci, like I just don't know. Like I felt so like. I didn't, I really didn't know how to feel like it was like, no, I'm not good enough. This is not for me. Right. But this is like the redefinition of imposter syndrome that I've really been trying to like, like tear apart. Right. And, um, owning it. So, um, it's, it's that feeling of numbness is definitely real. And I think slowly more and more affirmations have been, um, you know, helping me get through it and hearing what the students were saying about me and wanting me to go there as their professor and hearing how faculty responded to my research talk and my teaching demos. That was really, you know, really um, inspiring as well. And, and what something that I remember, and, and Michelle always reminds us of this, and we and in Chicana Mother work and, and other collectives remind ourselves, like, you got to keep it real for yourself, right? And, and I think, that's how I showed up as best as I could, although I was having such a hard um, few weeks before my talk, like it was probably a very difficult week for myself emotionally. Um, we've experienced so many losses um, in the last few months that I'm like, I can't do this, but I don't know. I showed up as best as I could. I, I stepped up to myself. I lit myself on fire and I just went and gave whatever, you know, I could give. And, and it was, I gave us everything. Right. But um, something that's been changing for me and thinking about risks, right, is like, are they really risks or are they really opportunities? And I'm like, I think they're opportunities, right? And I'm walking into this position still feeling doubt and, and feeling scared, but I think that's just with anything that's new. Um, and so my hope and my, my, um, my goal is to just be my authentic self. Like I can no longer erase myself I can no longer make myself small. And physically, I am not small. I'm a big girl. You know, I'm tall. I'm loud. 
you know, I, I stand out and I love bright colors and I cuss, like I'm just big in that way. And so I want to honor myself in, in, in those ways and honor the students who can also be a reflection. So um, today, you know, I as just to wrap up today, Chicana Mother Work honored me in um, posting up my um, an image, an animation of myself, which is so telling of who I am. Right. It's artistic creativity. Thanks to Ceci's recommendation about using my self-portrait. Um, somebody at DU, I hired somebody at DU to animate me and illustrate me. And we announced, right, that I'm taking this position. And it's taken three years to um, almost four years to land a Tina track position. So I just, if you're listening, I am just, I get chills all over my body reading your comments. I've been sneaking into the Chicana Motherwork Instagram <laughs> to read the comments. And I'm trying to figure out how to like get into Facebook to, to see what people are saying. But I see you and thank you for seeing me. But I'll pause there. Well, wow. I think one of the things that keeps coming up for us here and I'm hearing everybody's story is that the typical path isn't always um, the one that works, right? And it's like, we have to be able to just honor that honor our own journeys and honoring our own paths and and be willing to um pay attention to to our you know our hearts and our spirits in that and Ceci wrote something in the chat that I want her to talk about yeah just uh, as Christine was talking about risk I wrote um in the chat there's no growth without risk um and and it sounds like all of us, we're done playing small, being small, and that um, we're worthy of everything. And sometimes that means walking away, um, you know, walking away from the scraps or what we're told, we're told that's all we deserve, but you know, we deserve everything. I think that also has to do with like our shared backgrounds. Like, you know, we have shared backgrounds of like, you know, working class uh, families or poor families. And uh, it's it's really easy to kind of like keep thinking in that scarcity mindset when you've never kind of seen anything else. It's, it's hard to think outside of your current um, circumstances. And so risk, I've always been risk averse. Risk is so scary because it, it literally feels like someone's pulling kind of something like a rug from under your feet or um, I mean, I've always thought catastrophically too. Like, if I don't do X, then what happens? Am I going to become homeless? Am I not going to be able to pay my bills? Am I going to do this and this and this? Why? Because those things have happened, you know? Um, and so I, that's why I think like it's, it's, it might not be the same to think about risk if you've always been relatively comfortable or safe or secure. Whereas when you haven't had that, it's, a lot harder to have that mindset shift and to make these decisions, which is why I think all of us are going through these huge shifts. I think it's a risk for all of us, everything that we're doing. Yeah. Well, I hope that for our listeners, you know, sharing our stories uh, is helpful. And I know that we as a collective have been quiet this past year. Um, you know, last summer we worked really hard to put together that curriculum and to, you know, find ways to come together. We recently did that honoring of our second anniversary of the anthology, but we too as a collective have been thinking about ways 
um, in which we wanna continue honoring our work and building as we go through these personal transitions. So, um, uh, and, and that's part of our growth work too. I mean, we've been together now, how many years, 2014? Um, somebody do math for me. Seven years. <laughs> In, in September, right? <laughs> we better not break up, y'all. There's a seven-year itch in oh, relationship, so a fuerzas, you all have to we stay together. Chicana <laughs> grandmother work. Oh my god, I love it. But we, I mean, I think the separation. No, we didn't separate. We just took. A, we had to take a rest break, right? Like I think in any relationship, right? Or even when I tell my students who want to pursue a PhD, I'm like, "Are you sure you're going to commit to this long term relationship? Because that's what it's like, right? Like it's a relationship and it's not cute." Um, but I think we we needed that break, right? Because I was in Chinga for years, like multiple years without stopping or taking a break, and I think it helped us redefine what work we want to continue doing and part of that work is resting right like that was so critical for all of us and I think we really needed it so I think with that we're gonna wrap things up thank you so much for listening everyone we hope that you will also be inspired to honor yourself and prioritize yourself and we'll be in touch next time Please don't forget to follow us on social media at Chicana Motherwork on Instagram and Facebook and at Chicana Mothers on Twitter and please rate our podcast so people like you can find us. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. We want to thank Dr. Marta Gonzalez for giving us permission to use the music of Entre Mujeres Sirena for our intro, and Vagabundo from Quetzal for our outro. To purchase our book, you can order it through the University of Arizona Press, and you can find the link on our website at chicanamotherwork.com. If you want to book us for events email us at chicanamotherwork at gmail.com or for any other question or to engage with us. We look forward to hearing from you.